So I reiterate here: the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. Hello, welcome to a very special episode, new episode of Oh Hong Kong. We are on Zoom today uh, because I have a very special guest. We'll get to in a second. But Vivek, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm very good. It's kind of cold in Hong Kong, and no one's getting to move around town, so you're staying cold all day long, <laughs> man. It's terrible. Yeah, so we live about five minutes away from each other, but we decided it's too cold for us to even see each other. So like, let's yeah. just do this over Zoom. Yeah, but we're blaming COVID for that one. We're like, oh, it's just uh, COVID restrictions. I don't want to be that close to people. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. We don't yeah. want to prove that we're doing anything illegal because exactly. you have people in your house. I have a dog. So I yeah. think more than four people in total is yeah, not yeah. okay. So exactly. I mean, we're playing this is... safe. All right. Exactly. So, okay. So now since we can't see each other in person, how do we see each other online? Where do we find you? Uh, I am at the other Muhammad on Instagram. That's mostly uh, where I, I uh, exist online. How about you? <laughs> Uh, me is just funny Vivek, and you find that anywhere Mo- website, Facebook, Instagram. Not YouTube, though, still not there. <laughs> <laughs> Any progress on that? No, nah, dude, zero. I've not even tried it, it's given up. I'm like, ah, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you've you have went far enough with the yeah. whole uh, Facebook thing, like, you push your luck. Yeah, that now was really lucky. Now, if you lucky, push YouTube, man. they're just gonna take away your yeah. entire existence. So now don't it's do just that. greed. Yeah, this is just exactly. Greed. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh? What is with the beanie? Is, aren't you oh, indoors? The, I am indoors, but I'm actually feeling cold. I've realized that the last few days have taught me that I've gotten old now. Like I literally <laughs> wear a beanie at home. I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening in my life. I've lost enough hair to keep my head warm anymore. Amazing. Speaking of old, <laughs> we have a very special guest. <laughs> the perfect segue here. Not only that he's old in age, but he's also an old friend. And <laughs> he's an old comedian. Uh, and he's a father. He's many things. But the main reason we wanted to bring him on is that recently he became a pastor. And we wanted to talk to him a little bit about this. Drew Freilich has been on the past before when Andy was on. Drew, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. Well, I'm great now. That, yeah. Thanks for <laughs> calling me old. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like to introduce our guests in the most respectful way pos- possible and then take it from there. I feel like Andy's still on the pod with that introduction. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Andy left in, in spirit, but he's still here in whatever still- way. He still haunts us every now and then with bad exactly. introductions. We're like, ah, we're dedicating this bad introduction to you. Our next guest is an asshole. Hey, like Andy. <laughs> oh, wait, Andy's it's back on the podcast? Mean spirit still hangs around the podcast studio. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so just to let everybody know, uh, Drew Falick actually uh, came to Hong Kong, performed in uh, our comedy festival, and won it. So today, out of the three people on this podcast, two are champions. One. All right, I'm just gonna log out very quickly. That's the best thing about Zoom. I'm not, is that... no, I'm not done. <laughs> okay. Two are champions, and one is the person who decides if you even get to book get booked on a show. So you That's do the true. math. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us winners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Drew, actually, this is a great way to start. Drew, you only did the Hong Kong festival. How many times did you do the Hong Kong festival? Well, I did it one time. That's it. Well, yeah, just, you know, did it, came, <clears throat> just, uh, you know, pop down there, uh, <laughs> won it, and then went on my way. You know what I mean? You know, All right, so your, your set was pretty remarkable, actually. 
uh, you, I, I wasn't here in Hong Kong, but obviously all of these guys were, and they were talking about how much risk you took with this set, because I know the set that you did, and I couldn't believe that you did it on the final. Like, just walk us through your thought process and tell us, tell the audience a little bit about the set that you did. So the set is like, uh, it's basically the premise is what if boring office work had like a sports commentator talking behind like what you were doing, you know? So it's like, oh, he's going over to the copy machine. He's making copies. And now he's typing out an Excel sheet on the computer. And um, so actually I found out, I never told you this, Muhammad, but I found out there was a guy who took that exact same concept and did it on YouTube starting last year. And it has Whoa. millions of views. Are you serious? Uh, it's called, I think it's called real hashtag real life commentary. It's what? literally the exact same thing. It's on YouTube. I looked it up. I was like, man, uh, there's just nothing new under the sun. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we should start putting that guy on blast. Just go in the comments and just like trash him saying this is the stole it from true frailic and stuff he's a british guy he's like absolutely killing it he was a soccer commentator for like two decades in the uk and then he took this concept and it blew up on youtube <laughs> and he, then but, he saw your videos like that's it i'm becoming like, a comedian so i did that set so there's like a warm-up show or let's see there was a warm-up show with uh gina yashere the mm. night before the final and so I got to be on that show. So I did the, I did my set that I was going to do for the final on right. that show the night before. And it totally bombed. We were at this bar. Where does Jamie take the uh, is it, uh, the Hold on. Culture before, Club? Yeah, it should be at the Culture Club, otherwise Champs. Was it the one where you go yeah. downstairs? Yeah, Champs. Jamie takes you to this bar. Right. And it's like a yacht club or, or something. I don't know. And... And then you do your set up there, right? It's like to really, uh, I think it's, I think the point of it is to like shatter your confidence the night before the final. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and did that set. I did the, you know, I love that joke. I did that joke the night before and it totally bombed. And uh, I got off stage and Jamie was like, so what are you going to do for the final tomorrow night? <laughs> and I was like, well, I was thinking about doing that joke. And he was like, mm, I don't think that's a winner. And I was like, oh, man. But yeah, he was wrong. So anyways, <laughs> it, it all worked out. But yeah, it was. I mean, I'm fascinated by by the risk you took with something like this. Like what, what is going like clearly, especially if it bombed the night before as well. What made you think that? No, no, I'm, I know what I'm doing uh arrogance i don't know um <laughs> i think that i think that i've always I, you know i like to take risks on stage you know you've seen me yeah um many many times doing things you know throwing doritos at the audience and jumping out of boxes and dressing up like a woman and doing shakespeare and different things right. like sing songs, also you know? on, on, a, on an international festival final by the way this is when the Drew's risk goes goes tits up, right? Because we were doing the the Shanghai festival together. He's on the final. We're all terrified of him because you know he's Drew, and he walks up as dressed up <laughs> as uh, Lady Macbeth with yeah. a wig and the dress and everything. 
and bombs for 10 minutes with material he has never done before ever. <laughs> He's basically doing an open mic set on the final. And everyone's like, because we know Drew is like, he's going to turn it around. He's going to, no, there was no turning around. <laughs> and then the so funny thing is that <laughs> because you're wearing a dress and a wig, you can't just snap into your regular material. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what happened was, so I, so I want, okay, we're getting the weeds a little bit here, but yeah. let me see. So in 2015, I won the Hong Kong final, right? And then in 2016, we had the uh, competition in mainland China, right? And so some of you know, I mean, people listening to this pod, they might know Turner Sparks, right? Who was one of the comedians in Shanghai. And Turner had told me like, you know, you need to like, he basically told me like, you need to go big or go home like the next year in 2016. So I came up with this set where I'm going to dress up like Lady Macbeth. And do this mashup of like lines from Shakespeare with um, pop songs written by female artists from the early 90s. And it was this concept. <laughs> it was a good, con- it was, a listen, the concept was solid. It was a good idea. It was yeah. just, it wasn't funny. That was the problem. <laughs> it wasn't funny. I mean, it was, a, it was an interest. It was like a performance piece, but you know, everyone else. It was a comedy competition, so you know, it was memorable. You know, but <laughs> I, I would have thought like after the previous year, learning that not taking advice led you to the champion. Like, why would you change your whole game mode and go like, oh, let me actually take advice this year and see what happens? And bam, you bomb. Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, I've always, yeah, I've never really taken. I mean. I take advice sometimes, but yeah, that was, I should have just listened to my heart instead of Turner. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? You know what I mean? It it happens. It always, it happens. And I remember, yeah, there was, yeah, there was lots of bad bombings. It was, it was ugly for a while there, but you know. Because like, I remember when you were in Hong Kong competing and when you went up there and you did your set, I remember basically there were parts of the set where you had your back to the audience and you were like, you know, it was more like a dramatic theatrical thing. And we were right. all kind of confused thinking like, oh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I mean, it was good, but this is a stand-up comedy competition. Are, like, are the judges going to be purists? Like, I'll be honest, if I were one of the judges, I'd be like, no, I'm a purist comedian. I want stand-up comedy with a hand, uh, mic in hand and face to my face, you know, that kind of thing. But then the, the judges were like, this is it. You're making me laugh. That's all, you, that's all it takes and you win. And you won it. And, and everyone was just like, okay, so that's possible now. All right. And then I think a few years later, Hanan from Malaysia came down and performed a musical comedy. And I think uh, she also won it. And then Jamie just banned that. So he's like, yeah, uh, no. Okay, I, I'm going to have to interject here and say there is a massive difference between turning your back to the audience while you're doing a stand-up set and then using an actual prop where you play music. Those are vastly different things, Vivek. You should know that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just like, I'm like, okay, so now I see what's happening over here. It's just like... No, Drew, oh. Drew just does hacky stuff when he just turn, like just screams at the audience and does accents. That's different. He's just a hack. He's not the music <laughs> prop. <laughs> he, he's not. He's no. not. He's not trying to harmonize his punchlines. That's basically no. what he's saying. <laughs> he's just selling it with energy. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is the other comics—they always made fun of me. You know, they're like, "Oh, you're so hacky," but it's just a different kind of hack. You know, they're all hacky. listen. All those guys—they're all hacky. Muhammad's hacky. You know, there's nothing new. You know what I mean? Like, we're all. 
there's no, there's no, you know, you see, you come up with like a joke idea, right? Like I had, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example I saw today. I'll give you an example from today. I had this joke like a couple years ago about what if Spider-Man were out in the countryside and there's no tall buildings, right? It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's already funny. Out. He's just shooting his web out into the cornfield, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. Oh, so funny. Aren't I such a funny, clever guy? Today... I'm sitting in a bar and I look up at the TV and what do I see? A Hyundai commercial, the exact same concept. It's just, there's nothing new. There's Spider-Man out in the middle of Iowa shooting his webs out into the middle of a cornfield or sorghum or something. And then he gets into a Hyundai and drives to the city. I mean, it's just, there's nothing new. We're all kind of, we're all so this, this podcast is basically Drew complaining about people stealing his ideas. What the hell, dude? <laughs> Basically, I think I think what Turner meant by go big or go home is like actually your ideas don't just do it on stage, do it into a commercial or put it on YouTube because it seems like your ideas are great and like everyone's putting it on some sort of screen and yeah, boom, dude. they're making millions. That's <laughs> it. Yep, that's what I'm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was yeah. doing some research uh, about about uh, comedians and and the, the 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 religious comedians in particular, and I saw some people from the past, like Sam Kinison is the biggest example when he was actually either a priest or a pastor before he started doing stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And you are the only one I know who went the other way around. Uh, I mean, you're never really a real comedian anyway, but you know, you're dabbling. <laughs> right. But then, <laughs> then you went. You are now a pastor. How how does that work? Yeah, so I'm not a real pastor either. That's the other part. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wait, is this part of your act now? It's like you come on yeah. stage with a certificate, like, all right, guys, this is it. All right, so let me back up a little bit. So, yeah. I, you know, I started doing comedy in China in like 2010. Now, my job, my day job, right? Because nobody's going to, I can't support myself off of comedy, obviously. Um, Wait, is, well, uh, 50 RMB uh, a month is not enough? <laughs> Right. Drink tokens from uh, the bar in Wuxi. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I was give that to your landlord. Did you ever have this bit by someone had this bit about how the landlord does not take drink tokens from Hangzhou <laughs> or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your rent is due. <laughs> Will you take the tokens from the Red Lion, please? Um, <laughs> so, um, so I was so I'm a mental health counselor, right? I've been I've been doing mental health work for over 10 years. Um, and that has been my job throughout, you know, the last decade or whatever. So mm -hmm. about, about, this was in September, uh, our pastor, who's a very good friend of mine, he told me that he's going to be stepping down from his job as the pastor of the church and basically was like, you know, would you want to do it? And I'm like, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a therapist. I don't know anything about pastoring. Like at the time I was like, I don't, I don't think I could do that, you know? Um, which it turns out, you know, pastoring and therapy are not that much different, but we can get into that more <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. Uh, but slow down here. Walk us through. I, uh, I am from a Muslim background. Vivek, okay. I, I don't know what you're up I, to. The only thing I've, I've got with pasture is like my milk. That's the closest I have to that word. <laughs> nice uh, so okay. clearly we don't even know what a pastor is like just i just also explain that to us and the audience the hierarchy in the church like i just know the in, pastor, in my, the priest yeah i just know in my okay. textbooks usually the pastor is white so that that part i can agree <laughs> with you check 
<laughs> yeah, but who has a beard? Is it the pastor or the priest or both? Or I think none? Jesus, well, right? Your Jesus had a beard, and the yeah. pastor and the priest are both supposed to have a beard, which is why I'm not a real pastor. <laughs> but is that uh, like is that like by like you have to have a beard, or is it like more no, respectful? No, no. That, that was a joke. It's just oh. not funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mo, Mo, you proved your point about yeah, Drew. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't have to have a beard. Um, but yeah. uh, so, so it's different in different churches, right? So, like in the Catholic church, in a big church like the Catholic Church or you know Lutheran, like a bigger church, that you go through this process. You like go to school, you get your degree, you become ordained which is kind of like your internship. And then they give you this like license, I guess, you know, to basically say you can, you know, preach, run the church, do weddings, do funerals, stuff like that. Wait, 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 wait. They, you mean they tell you that you can preach? Is it like, you know, like how a lot of times in comedies and sitcoms are like, preach it, girl. Did they do that to you? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Kind of like that. <laughs> Yeah, like you can basically run the church, you know. That's there's a whole process for that. But doing so, weddings, like, it, can't anyone do weddings? Like, you did Andy's wedding years ago, and you're not a pastor. So Andy's wedding, they, if you noticed, there was a woman there who did the ceremony. Do you remember that? So yeah, I but did, so she's I a woman, so you can't really do it. You mean his fiance? Oh no, no. <laughs> So what happened at Andy's wedding is I was there to like make it entertaining. And then the lady was there to make it like official in the eyes of the state and God or whatever. So she was like the ordained pastor lady there. She put the seal of approval on it. Um, and then, you know, I kind of filled in the details. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't ordained. So I couldn't have done that wedding. Oh, Okay, but you're, you're the guy who's like, you can marry each other or whatever. I didn't say that. She said that, remember? She was I, the one who no. killed the deal. So, no, so, let me, so what you're saying is that so right now you have the power to basically marry people. Is that correct? Mm. No. That's, oh. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Still so no? Job, still no. So my job is I'm the interim pastor, right? Which is like the interim head coach <laughs> in football, you know? Yeah, like the coach gets fired or he quits, and so the interim pastor is like running the church while they're looking for a new person. Wow, that sucks! You're a substitute. You're literally the substitute teacher. Kind of, but I'm in charge, you know. So I still like every Sunday I preach. Yeah. I run things. Um, so you're basically just sitting on the bench, hoping for the pastor to not show up. So you can have your five minutes <laughs> on stage. <laughs> well, to use like a comedy analogy, it's like I'm up on stage and I'm doing time or I'm about to go on stage, you know, but like if somebody shows up, then I'll get bumped from the lineup basically. Uh, but right. So I've been running things, you know, but I'm in charge. I preach every Sunday. I run the service. I've been doing it for like the last two months or whatever. Okay. And, so. I'm actually curious about the preaching on Sundays and everything. Cause like as a comedian, every time we come on stage, we have to kind of go through the process of writing, open micing it, and then getting on stage in front of a live audience. How does right. that, does that completely change for you or, or do you have a similar process? I'm, I'm just curious, like, does that translate? It translates a little bit. 
And <clears throat> it's a little bit tricky because usually with comedy, you've got, you know, your, you've got your set, right? You've got your five minutes or your 20 minutes or your hour or whatever. And you've done that material over and over and over again. And you go to open mic and you, and you run it and you get it tight and you get it really good. Preaching is like a totally different craft where you have to come up with a new 30 minutes every week. <laughs> so Wait, but like, you have you have material, you have the Bible, right? You can. Yeah. So you have the Bible, you know, so that that's a little bit of, you know, that that's a bit of uh, I don't want to say Philip. That this seems kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to throw in some Cain and Abel today. All right. Okay. So check this out. Right. These two guys yeah. are coming down this hill. I mean, at uh, least you have something that like you, you can, you can cheat from, you know, if you're right. like feeling lazy or whatever, you can just read 10 minutes off the Bible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so reading the Bible is cheating and lazy. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Hey, hey, he's a Muslim. All right. So yeah. <laughs> just like, I mean, yeah, I'm a Muslim, so I don't even believe the Bible is real. So uh, anything <laughs> you're doing is really cheating. <laughs> so the, the, yeah, I mean, that's true, right? It's a different form. So it's like you have the Bible and then, but you, you, you have to throw in some stories. You mm. have to throw, some, you know, you have to throw in some comedy because people, I mean, literally people, it's like, it, it's, yeah, people will just like fall asleep <laughs> like while you're up there. You I've watched to, you on, on stage before, Drew. I know that feeling very well. Nobody ever fell asleep when I was doing <laughs> Dude, I fell asleep. asleep while I was up next. I could even just sit through your five minutes of throwing <laughs> bread at the audience. Who does that? You freak. <laughs> do you do that to your audience now at yeah. church? <laughs> oh, yeah. At church, that would be more appropriate. They're like, this is, a, this is my body. <laughs> I throw bread at them. That's how I do communion. You know, I, I throw a loaf of bread and then dump wine on them. So that's... <laughs> So it is, you know, it's a different form, right? It's a different craft. It's like you have one week to prepare 30 minutes and then you get up there and you're trying to make it funny and entertaining, but it also should be pretty clear. Usually you have like one point it's, you know, um, and so it's just a, it's just a different craft and it's a, and it's very different than comedy. You know, it's like, I think it's in my experience so far, it's a lot harder than comedy. Because it's like comedy, you show up, you, you know, hang out for a bit, you go on stage, you do your set. And if you do well, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, that was so great. You know, like, you're so funny. And they, you know, follow you on Twitter or whatever. And then and then you go home. Pastoring is like it would be like if you showed up to the comedy club, but you got there an hour early so that you could clean the bathroom before every before the audience. <laughs> Right. So an open micer. Okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You're scrubbing the bathroom. Okay. And you do that. And then people show up and you make sure everything's in order. And then, you know, you, they, they have like uh, singing and prayer and then you get up and you do the announcements. So that's like being your own opener. And then you do your 30 minutes and that's like headlining, I guess. And, um, And then it's like you come off stage, as it were, you know, come off stage. You can't. I'm using air quotes here. Mm. And. And then you get off stage and it would be like if the audience was like, oh, uh, you know, they don't say great set. Nobody. They just. <laughs> uh, no, 
active and then you counsel the audience for an hour and a half and then you go home you know people want to talk about what's going on their problems and things like that so it's quite a bit more difficult than comedy is what i'm finding right so but then okay so then even the message because you say usually every time you have one main message you want to can drive home whether it's through stories or personal experience do you get like uh, audience requests you know, like as a comedian, every now and then, like, oh, dude, are you going to do that bit? Are you going to do the bit about, you know, the unchecked and stuff? Like, do you get those? Like, dude, are you going to talk about the, the twins who try to kill each other? Are you going to do that one? Do you get those? <laughs> do that one is a great line. Do that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one where he comes back from the. Love that story. We love yeah, that. Dude, I love it. I mean, like three days later, he was back, bitches. <laughs> Tell us the one. Tell us the, the one about the boat with all the animals on it. That's my <laughs> My yeah. son loves this one. His yeah. name is Noah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do, do, I mean, do you get like, like for example, audience feedback or requests in the sense? Because I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who will kind of approach you to talk to you after the, the whole service and everything. So do you get a lot of those as well? People don't make requests. It's quite a bit harder than comedy because like with comedy, people are laughing. That's your, you know, it's either people are, they're either laughing or it's silent, which is like, you're dying up there. Right. In, in, in preaching, you could be doing a great job and it's just dead silent there. You can kind of tell that people are into like the message or whatever, but, um, it's, it's like way lower energy. You know what I mean? It's not a comedy club. Generally speaking, most people at my church haven't had two drink minimum by the time they show up. <laughs> most two, some have two prayer minimum. <laughs> there, there are people who have shown up and they're like half in the bag. That's that's uh, that's just how our church. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, okay. Here's a question: Wouldn't you know that you're killing it if everyone is crying? Then you're like absolutely destroying, right? Because you're reminding them yeah. that they're all going to hell and stuff. <laughs> it's like he died right. for your sin right yeah, over yeah. there you so it's like the opposite of like you know getting applause breaks in comedy but in your uh, in pastoring they're just crying and you're like yes i'm doing it well you can start your own applause break that's what i like to do you know just start <laughs> clapping. yeah yeah give it up for that like you start with jesus and then you like put yourself in the equation give it up for jesus everyone's like yeah and you're like and me yeah. <laughs> just quietly and me yeah, exactly. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, su- like su- speaking seriously, I think mm. that uh, maybe what you're saying, like if people are crying and stuff like that, maybe yeah. yeah, maybe I've seen that before. I've I'm not at that level, you know, um, but I've seen that before where people, somebody will be talking about something, and like the people watching will have like a very emotional reaction. I've seen that before, so I guess that would be the. Uh, church equivalent of uh, murdering. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. Know. So you're actually jealous of the of the person on stage, <laughs> like making think, people cry. The same way you're jealous of like the guy in front of you destroying, right? Yeah. Like I would love to see it if you have like a comedy lineup of pastors going one after another. Everyone gets seven minutes, and everyone's like, "I I gotta have three cries per minute, man. That's my bare minimum. I need three cries per minute." <laughs> 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 Hold on. Okay, a little side note. What if you had a Christian comedy club called Thou Shalt Not Murder? What would that? <laughs> well, I mean, that would explain a lot of the open micers. They're like, I'm just following the exactly. Ten Commandments. I just, I, Thou Shalt Not Murder. I mean, yeah, I cannot kill. Therefore, I'm bombing on stage. Do you understand? 
that would be like the opposite of uh, Jamie's club, you know, which would be called <laughs> I need <you> to murder. <laughs> no. I need you to kill. Yeah. <laughs> With a bracket that says for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally the name of the doesn't he have a documentary about the club? Yeah, yeah there was like, like I think there was a documentary I need you to kill or something, and they did yeah. feature the club as one of the interviewees. I think who made it, Tom Segura or someone who was here. Yeah, Tom Segura, uh, yeah. two other guys. I forget the names now, but yeah. They, yeah, you guys should go. You, you guys listening should go and find it online because Jamie denies its existence, and it's the funniest thing ever. It's like <laughs> denying like the sun. I'm like, dude, it's right there. You can look it up. It's like, no, 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 no. It's, yeah. does, it's not. It's named, named after me. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But but true. I'm I'm curious. Though. So the you was talking about how before all this stuff happened, even during the comedy days, you were doing a lot of like mental health therapy and stuff like that. Was this always an issue, as in like an interest for you, or someone around you had this? problem and therefore you felt I wanted to do something about it or did you yourself face this because what I found is that uh, in comedy obviously you meet all sorts of people and regardless whether it's on stage or off stage there's always that issue of the mental well-being or the this guy's a bit quirky you know has it always been an in issue of interest to you what's that mental health yeah um yeah I mean that's that's uh that's always been a big interest of mine um I've you know, my thing is I love to just talk to people. So therapy to me always a appealed. Um, I've been to therapy twice myself. I went my first time in 2011. And then I went again, actually, when we moved back from China. Uh, you know, we moved back four years ago. So I went to therapy for like half a year. There was just a lot of stuff to work through. Um, when we made that move back to the U.S. So I've been through the process. I'm familiar with the process. I've seen it help so many people. And I love to just talk to people and um, hear their stories. And, you know, you're not always necessarily able to, like, help people per se. But if you just give them space to talk and be non-judgmental and listen to them, a lot of times people can just figure out whatever is going on uh, on their own. So, but yeah, it's, it's being, being non-judgmental is so not it's so opposite of being a pastor. That's what so yeah, so that's what people think, right? Like there's a lot of really toxic religion out there. And I mean, I know that. I grew up in a church that was I would say highly toxic and judgmental. And for me, like the older I get, I just feel like I can honestly say I'm sure the things when it's like, you know, when I was a kid is like, this is the way it is. Like these people are going to heaven. These people are going to hell. This is right. This is wrong. And the older I get, I just feel like I'm becoming more and more open and more and more willing to just be like, I don't know the answers, you know, like it's really just about loving people. Um, and just religion, like good religion should not be a barrier between you and other people, which it often is for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Good religion should enhance your life, make you more compassionate, more loving and more open minded. But unfortunately, right, as we know, like that's not the way it generally is. Generally, it's like very exclusive. It's very toxic. It's very harmful to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so for me doing this pastor job has been a lot of fun because um, 
I just like to hang out with people. And that's basically what the job is. You know, you give a, you, you headline for 30 minutes each Sunday, <laughs> you get to hang out with people. Um, we ran a homeless shelter in December. We do things in the community. We have like a food pantry. It's just like good stuff. And as right. far as all the religious stuff goes, I'm just kind of in a place where I'm like, Hey, I don't know all the answers. Like I would rather just sit with you and listen and be your friend. And, and that's it. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where I'm at. So I guess I, maybe that makes me like a bad pastor or a bad Christian. I, mean, or I, I think my question is more about like, do you, don't you feel the responsibility of the, or the pressure because you are admittedly saying, I don't have all the answers, but I imagine someone you know, whose kid is sick or whatever, and they want you to pray for them or something. And you're like, eh, I don't know, but you're like so desperate. Yeah, you can pray for them. But, you know, it's it's one thing I've learned in counseling is like you don't have the answers. You know, I mean, I've in counseling, I've sat with people who are dying. I've I've had clients that, you know, we were doing counseling sessions. They knew they would be dead soon. I knew they would be dead soon. Like we both knew it. There was nothing we could do about it. And it was almost like essential. Like you had to just say, I don't know. You know, I, I can't fix your problem. And I think the, 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 the trap that a lot of pastors get into is they feel this pressure. Like I have to fix your problem or I have to have some good answer for you. And so they, out of that pressure, they say things that really they, they don't really, they can't really guarantee it. You know, like I had a person last week after service who wanted to talk to me about suicide. So it's better to just sit with somebody and listen to them. And at the end of it, be like, look, this is what the Bible says, or this is what I've heard, but I don't know, you know, there's room for mystery. There's room for uncertainty. There's room for doubt. I think all those things are really healthy things. Like you have to have a, a healthy amount of doubt. I think in any religion or belief system if you don't have any doubt isn't that sort of like that's sort of what is that brainwashing that's that's kind of like the definition of something unhealthy right yeah like i i, I think that a lot of that can actually translate into the comedy world where you have certain people going on stage week after week and you're like i do not realize this is not working like no 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 i'm good i think i'm awesome on stage you're like what what what's going on i'm confused so I think I can see that. So, okay, so coming back to this whole mental health thing is that what you're realizing now, honestly, and what you said earlier on is that you actually enjoy listening to people and basically just hanging out and talking, right? But have you found that the type of people you're meeting now, are there any overlaps back in like the comedy world? Like I'm sure like, you know, comedy days, it's all more lighthearted, fun, and everyone's a bit wacky in their own way. But do you notice like, for example, now you're like, wait a second, this is making me see a lot of patterns I used to notice before amongst comedians where... Oh, so, so amongst comedians where, hold on a second, uh, I think that person actually has a problem. I never realized that until now I've been talking to people in general. Do you see a lot of that? Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I, I realized that years ago when I was at Kung Fu Comedy. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, it sounds like a joke, but really it's not. Like, the truth is, is like Kung Fu Comedy, which was the big club in Shanghai before it got shut down. Kung Fu comedy was sort of like this light, right? That, and, and people were attracted to it. You know, we'll say like a moth to the light. There was a lot of people that came to that club that had different mental issues um, or they were going through some sort of personal 
crisis or things like that. I'm talking audience members and comedians, right? It was a place where people knew if you went there, you could find a community and you could find, it was like a place to be. And so even back then, when I was like in grad school and during the day learning about, you know, depression, anxiety, and drug abuse, I was like learning that during the day and then going to the club at night. And I'm like, oh, look, there's that thing they were talking about in class, you know? So it's really <laughs> a church and a comedy club are very similar in that way. They, they attract a certain kind of person for sure. There is similarities. Yeah. We just don't get tax reductions. That's the, the big difference over there. there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's a flammable question for you that might get you fired out of the church. What's, I'll uh, be fired what's in a your... few weeks anyways. Go ahead. <laughs> what's your comment on the Pope's? Uh, he got into uh, some kind of shit recently for saying that people uh, who have pets are selfish and uh, people who choose to not have kids and have instead are selfish. And that basically made headlines about people. To, like, obviously, the main comments were like, what do you know when you choose to not have kids? Like that's not and that, that doesn't make any sense, kind of hypocritical. But also people just like in general did not accept a lot of people did not were not happy with his comment. Do you have any comment on this? So the so the comment is having pets is selfish and you should have kids. Is right. that what he's saying? Yeah, yeah. having yeah. having pets instead of having kids is selfish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean man, if you don't want to have kids, you shouldn't have kids. Like <laughs> I have two kids. I, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't see how you can be judgmental about that. I, I, you know, it's like, if you have a pet and you don't have a kid, I, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion about that. I'm sorry. I know that you're looking for like a hot take on that, but it's sort of like, no, not necessarily. I actually have... remember that. I remember that because we were talking earlier about the whole thing. And I remember that I saw this headline recently when everyone was like, oh, this is so judgmental, this is not, you know, accepting and all of that, especially that he started off pretty well talking about like gay marriage and stuff like that. And it seems like it, he just kind of went downhill. It's kind of like a Laurent, Laurent Genot set, basically. Started off really <laughs> hot. And then like at the four minute mark, we, as Joe Schaefer called it, the crushing gag. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I, I, that is a weird trajectory, right? To like be, um, you start out promoting human rights and then you end up like bashing on dogs and cats. I don't know how you end up there. Maybe, maybe he ran out of material. You know, he only yeah, had exactly. like hey, 30 minutes a week, minutes. man. That's not yeah. easy. Hey, you know, something's going to flame somebody if you're doing 30 minutes every Sunday. Yeah. If you talk for 30 minutes every week, you're going to say something eventually, you know, it's going <laughs> to get you fired. Actually, so. this is this. I had an earlier question about the 30 minutes thing because you were saying that you have to keep people engaged and kind of like come up with 30 minutes. So, are these stories mostly like do you use personal stories more or do you just like do you recite stuff? Not necessarily read from the Bible or whatever, but you talk about like historical events or stuff that, that's like more, you know, from other from Jesus' story or whatever. So, where I'm at right now is I try, there's two things that I've been trying to do lately. I um, the first thing is I, you know, I tell some of my own stories. I have like so many stories from living in China and all the crazy things that happened over there. And now, you know, we haven't even gotten into the fact that I moved to Detroit, which is like, it's, it's like China in a lot of ways. Like there's all <laughs> kinds of 
crazy things. Maybe that's another episode. But um, so I try to use my own stories and, and, you know, even sometimes I'll use material from before and like kind of rework it and use it to make a point. But the second thing is like when, whenever I start to talk about mental health, oh, it's like people's ears just perk up because I mean, I know it's probably similar in Hong Kong right now. The mental health crisis in America right now is just like, it's, it's crazy, you know? And so when you start to talk about things like that, people just, you know, immediately perk up. They want to hear more about that. And um, those I, are the I mean, two things that I've been leaning on. Yeah. Wouldn't you find like the, the mental health issue is mostly because now people notice that it is an actual issue. Like before, this wasn't a topic that you would even know. You're like, oh, you're just being crazy. I right, just come on, calm down, you know. But now you're like, oh, this is an actual issue that we have to do something about. And therefore, it's like the hot topic. Because I'm sure like 20, 30 years ago, if you talk about mental health, like, yeah, what about you have a brain? You're fine then. Can you think one plus one equals two? You're done. Go right. home. Right. But now it's right. like, oh, how are you feeling today? And there's two ends of the spectrum though like for example on one end they're saying like you know you're trying to be too soft on this issue it's kind of like the kid with the cold you're like okay have this medicine have that go get some rest before it's like just sleep it out and you'll be fine get lost you know so right. what's your take on that because like i i mean for me i'm i'm like in the middle where on one end i like i participate in a lot of mental health well-being events and everything and i always tell people like look at the end of the day if you keep trying to be you know oh how are you feeling are you feeling all right you're good okay if you're not feeling good go sit down and be smile more but at the same time i tell them you know you only learn from all these hardships so even with comedies like the more you go on stage the more you suffer the harder you get where you're like okay i'm fine with this i can live through this pain but if you're only performing to let's say friends and family who are always there to be supportive the moment you go to a strange neighborhood you're like i i, I don't know what to do i'm you know i'm have an issue what's your take on that the, the balance between like you know coddling and also just like well deal with it yeah i'm ex i'm probably exactly where you're at vivek i i it, there it can go too far in both directions so like you know 30 years ago lots of things weren't talked about and a lot of people suffered and you know it was sort of swept under the rug and not talked about now you know now it's like is it excessive at times is there times that you know maybe somebody's in therapy and they, and it's like, okay, you know, you've been doing this for a year or two and it's like, it's time to kind of like move on, you know, like you need to, you need to put the work in and like work through whatever's going on and like move through it. Like therapy in my mind shouldn't last for, you know, your entire life. It, I mean, maybe in some rare cases, but generally speaking, when I see somebody, I try to see them in a few months or maybe at the most like six months or a year. Because if it's taking longer than that, then I would start to ask the question like, okay, what changes are you making? What, you know, it's a two-way street. So I'm, I, I feel the same way, you know, it's like people shouldn't be overly kind of like coddled, but also it is an issue. And, and I think it's an important thing. And with COVID, it's maybe more of an issue than it was a few years ago. All right. So just let everybody know, speaking of counseling and stuff, we're down to the last minute of our session <laughs> okay i actually have something i want to do that on the free episode not on the patreon i'm a huge fan drew of your blog uh you have a really great blog called a bright drewtopian future where you yeah. send i think it's weekly now right every like you week send an email yeah. every week yeah i i'm an avid like reader i read every single blog post um you basically have three things you have religion comedy and mental health or psychology right Right? right. And 
uh, just talk talk to us a little bit. I, I mean, obviously, this is you plugging the the blog, but also tell the the listeners a little bit about your how how do you create it because it's really quite something. It's basically a lot of short stories, a lot of sometimes seem to be random ideas, but they're really well thought out. So just tell us a little bit about the blog and how do people find it? Yeah. So if you want to check out the blog, it's uh, Drew Fralick, F-R-A-L-I-C-K.com. It comes out every Friday. And there's four topics that I go over, religion, mental health, comedy, and culture. culture and yes. In every blog post, you'll find probably all four of those elements in each one of them, but each blog post has like a specific focus. So I'll be like this week, the category is religion. You know, last week, the com- the category was comedy. And it's just short stories that I come up with. It's different um, things that I encounter in the counseling world. It's stories from China and Detroit and also just like you know, funny ideas, things I need to like get off my chest or whatever, but it's kind of written in a way that it's not really like a journal, like my journal online, it's more written so that people can read it. So, um, that's, yeah, I don't know if that's a (laughs) good explanation. This is great. I honestly, I recommend people so the people can just find it online. They don't have to subscribe to anything. I recommend no, it's people free. To just, yeah. yeah, to just like check it out, check out a couple of posts. I think you'll really enjoy it. And obviously, if they want to be updated with the new post, they can just sign up for the newsletter. Is that correct? Yeah. And what I like to say, like going back to the religion thing is like, I like to say that it's like too hot for Christian radio. And that's my tagline. <laughs> like, for example, this week, the post was about a an art piece. This like a church pew that forgives racism. And it's like talking about the topic of racism. But then like last week, the blog topic was uh, aliens are excavating the destroyed ruins of Earth. And the only thing they find left on earth are fake titties. It's like, it's all over the map, right? So one week, one week I might be talking about Jesus. The next week it's about fake titties or some crazy story from China. It's not like, it's not uptight is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Pretty low. It's very entertaining nevertheless. As I said, I recommend people to check it out. Drew, thank you so much for coming on. We know we're keeping you late. You're in Detroit. Uh, So, uh, We hope you have a good night and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Cheers.